And I want this to be Lezech and Nishmat to be Ben Yehuda for this tonight's talk to be for the elevation of the soul of our friend Howie Barwick and for the for Ilana's father and for Howie's father, Howie Wiener's father. Those of you who know that today was a fast day, a minor fast day in the Jewish calendar. Asari B'Tevet is um, an interesting holiday in that it, it essentially is a fast day about what would take place. It marks off the territory of anticipation of tragedy. It itself is not per se a tragic day in any other way other than the fact that it was the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem that would eventually culminate in the destruction of the temple, but it itself isn't the destruction of the temple. It's just what would seem to be the inexorable moment that would lead to the destruction. Today is also, as many of you know, the day before the anniversary, the yard site of Sandy Hook. A year ago tomorrow, we witnessed something that, with all of our prayers, we wish in every single utterance that in our lives we would never ever hear or see anything like it again, which we know unfortunately isn't the case. And so I was looking at this week's Torah reading and trying to get something from our ancestors, from our wisdom, something to, to give me chizuk, to give me strength, to open my heart. So this week's reading is essentially how he couldn't have done it better. Essentially, this week's reading is the reading where Jacob will pass away and so will Joseph and the book of Genesis will culminate, will end. It is an ending. And Jacob, as the Parsha begins, Vayechi Yaakov, Yaakov lived for 17 years in an exact parallel to the 17 years that he had lost his beloved son Joseph. Those 17 years are given back to him and he's alive. Vayechi Yaakov, he has life. And in that time, the Torah tells us that Jacob becomes sick and Word gets to Joseph that Jacob is sick. After these things, Joseph was told, your father is sick. The Midrash says this is the first mentioning of, the, of sickness in the Torah. It's almost as if Jacob created sickness as a, a way to open a conversation about the end. In some kind of way, says the Midrash, says Aviva Zornberg, Jacob wanted to talk about endings. He wanted to talk about the future. He wanted to talk about what it would be like. He wanted to give instructions to his children. I will die. Know that. And now what do you do? And Jacob and Joseph have this moment. And then one of the more interesting moments in the Torah, Joseph will bring his two children, Ephraim and Menashe. Two children, Ephraim and Menashe. You don't have to know Hebrew to know these words. Ephraim and Menashe, right? I had good friends growing up named Effie and a couple of friends named Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe, those are the two names that were given to Joseph's sons living in Egypt. Joseph will bring his two sons to his father, his sick and dying father, Jacob, for a blessing. He brings them forward and, for, and um, 
And Jacob gives him a blessing. He brings him out from underneath his knees. And he says, May the angel who redeemed me from all harm, says Jacob, may he bless the children, the lads. Right? Really wonderful. That's the end of the story. But what happens before that? Before Jacob gives Joseph's children blessings, there's a scene. And uh, maybe I'll take two, maybe the two of you, okay? So you'll be, you'll be my children for a second. Okay, okay. So I'll be Joseph, and David is going to be Jacob, okay? So you're going to be, make sure I get this right, everybody who knows the Torah, okay? So Menashe is my Bechor. Menashe is going to be on my left, right? My left, on, jo on Jacob's right, because his right hand is his strong hand. And you are, you are um, Ephraim, my younger, my younger son. And we come forward to David slash Jacob. And what does Jacob do? So that would be the right thing to do, right? Your right hand, which is your strong hand of blessing to the elder child, meaning, right, minashe. And your left hand, your weaker hand, to, right? Thank you very much. Now show me what, he, what actually happens in the Torah. Sikel yadav, right? Joseph and Jacob. Jacob switches his hands. Thank you very much for your, for your work. I appreciate that. Jacob crosses his hands. And listen to this conversation between jo Jacob and Joseph. Joseph says to Jacob, his father, Vayar Yosef ki yoshis aviv yad He saw that his father switched and he put his right hand on Ephraim, the younger, whose name is Ephraim. Vayerab and it was, it was difficult in his eyes. He tried to move his father's hand off of it to put it on to Menashe, his, his eldest son. Vayomer Yosef lo avi. Joseph says to his father, lo avi, He said, don't do that. The, the, the elder is the one that I put in the right order on your right, on my left. Why don't you place your right hand on his head? And his father refused. I know, my son, I know. I know. He will also be a great nation. He will be a great man, a great nation, but his younger brother will be greater than him. And he blessed them in that moment, saying that forever when children would receive blessings, we will say the words found, the first blessing in the Torah that is a tefillah, a prayer that word for word is copied to this day. Right? May God make you, this is what Jacob gives to Joseph at this moment, may God make you like Ephraim and Menashe. Who is the older? Menashe. May God make you like Ephraim, the younger, first, and Menashe, second. Jacob is insistent. He is insistent that the younger be blessed first and the older be blessed second. And that word, vayimain, and he refused. It's a very interesting word. I looked it up because I happen to know two other places where it appeared, and I want to know 
if it appears in other places, and he refused. It appears four times in the Torah, only four times. And three of those four times are in the Joseph and Jacob narrative. Three of those four times. And the first one, of course, is very famous. It was after Joseph has been lost and the brothers bring back the torn coat that has been dipped in blood. And they show it to their father. They show it to Jacob and they say, Ach, tarot, tarot, Yosef, Joseph has been destroyed. He has been eaten. He is no longer. He is, he's gone. The child that you loved has been taken from you. Vayima'en Yaakov. And Jacob refused to be comforted. He refused to be comforted. The first moment of refusal in the Torah, the word Vayima'en appears as a refusal to believe that Joseph is dead. Says Rashi in the Midrashim, you can't give up hope on something that is really alive. Jacob knew somehow that Joseph was living. He knew somehow against all hope. He couldn't give up hope because he still believed. He still knew in his heart that Joseph was alive. Jacob said, no way. I have the right of refusal. And I refuse to believe that Joseph has been taken. The second time the word Vayima'ein happens is when Joseph is with Eshet Potiphar, with the wife of Potiphar, and he is seduced and tempted. And it says in the Torah, Vayima'ein Yosef, and Yosef refused to give in to the temptation, the moral and ethical problem of sleeping with someone else's wife. He said, I refuse. I have my own moral compass. I have my own sense of what is right and wrong. He refused to abdicate his own, his own truth. Jacob and his father, Joseph. Jacob refuses to give up hope. He refuses to abandon the past and has hope in the future. And Joseph refuses to abandon his culture, where he comes from, who he really is. His father's home, as the Midrash says, at that moment he saw Jacob in the window. He refused to give up hope that he also would be reunited. He refused to give up his future. And now we come to this week's Vayima'en and Jacob's ridiculous game. Why does it have to be Ephraim, the younger son, and not Menashe, that in that blessing that we would recite for 2,500 years will always be codified? Why is it so important to you, Jacob, that you would use Vayima'en? Joseph says, no, father, no. This one is the eldest. And his father says, yadati bini, I know, but I refuse. Why? Jacob knows. Jacob knows that there's no chance that his children are leaving Egypt alive. Jacob knows, without a doubt, that they will remain in exile. This is the beginning of the darkest period of the history of the Bible of the Jewish people. There is danger, Jacob knows, that when we go into dark places, there is danger that we lose the capacity to refuse. We lose that quality that says, I won't give in. I will stand firm. I will stand strong in the storm. 
I won't budge. Jacob knows that. Jacob knows what it is to not lose hope. And there's a lot of hope that could be lost in the next 200, 300, 400 years as they descend into exile, into slavery. And the first moment of slavery, the first moment of slavery, Jacob knows, was when Joseph said, when he named his first son, I will forget my father's home. Kinashani Elohim that God will help me to forget what has taken place. And the Bible, everyone, is obsessed with memory. Not a hard drive, not a cruise drive or a thumb drive. Memory in the Bible is real, it is alive, it is verdant. It is that I am back here today on the 10th day of the month of Tevet, and I am remembering that there was a siege of Jerusalem. And that is alive for me as it was yesterday. I can't forget. Because if I forget what happened yesterday, and it isn't alive for me today, what song am I singing? How do I learn my lessons? How do I bring it in some deep way? How do I let it live in me, the good and the bad? So Jacob says, no, your firstborn son, whose name means I will forget, he can't be the one who receives the blessing first. It has to be your second son, Ephraim, whose name means that in the land of my affliction, I multiplied. In the land of my affliction, I found piriyah, I found fruit, I found life, I found song, I found color, I found what it was to make it through. I knew how to become the reed on which the experience of suffering is played so that I might sing God's song. Ephraim, not Minasheh. Ephraim is the Bechor. Ephraim is the eldest. Ephraim is the one that I place my right hand on. I place my strength in the capacity of human beings to overcome the most incredible odds, the most incredibly horrific circumstances, suffering that is beyond imagination, and to rebuild and to reconstruct to open their hearts, to find a life. How is it possible a year ago for Veronique Posner to even imagine standing at her son Noah's funeral? How is it possible in the depths of that exile, in the depths of that night, for her to find the strength to think of how others might also be benefited in some small way from that horrific calamity that befell her. How was it possible? And how is it possible that a year later that we still claim that Nashani, that forgetting, is the Bechor, is the eldest? How is it possible that a year later, 11,000, 33,000, the numbers are astronomical. How many children and people were killed this year by handguns? And we can't even imagine for a moment budging, moving, enacting legislation to take weapons of mass destruction. Forget about the Second Amendment, but weapons of mass destruction off the streets. 26 26. Remember I hear that number 26. You know what I think as a rabbi? 26. People who know this, 26 is the numerical value of God's holiest name. In our tradition, 
Yud Hey Vav Hey, the Tetragrammaton, the four letter name of God is 10 plus 5 plus 6 plus 5. Yud Hey Vav Hey, each letter in Hebrew has a numerical value. 26 is God's name. Whenever 26 arrives, you know God's in the house. And on that day, I could think that God's name is completely erased. We have effaced the face of God. As deep in exile as we have ever been in. And it's a year later and there are other things in the news cycle. And I remember standing here last year on that day, a day that I buried our congregant and dear friend Lynn Schneider. And I said, this day will be a fast forever. This is the day that must seep into our memory and not be forgotten. Played over and over again until we find the strength to bless Ephraim, which means to take from unimaginable suffering a song that might liberate others, that might be fruitful, that might, be mul that might multiply goodness. That's Jacob tonight, this weekend, tomorrow. It's a story of someone who sits in my office and says to me, Rabbi, I'm done with all of this suffering. And I start giving her my whole thing. And she takes my hand and she puts it right on her chest. And she says, this is my suffering. And I say, yes, it is your suffering. And it is your song. And you are being hollowed out by the experiences that you are given. And the choice always with memory is, do I remember and fix or do I remember and repeat? So we are blessed this weekend with Jacob saying, I want to bless the children. I want to bless those children and I want to bless them with an angel that will watch over them. I want to bless the children. I want to bless each and every one of them. That their memory not be in vain. I want to bless them that we rise up. That we make phone calls that we don't forget, that we work hard to make of that unspeakable terror in Ephraim. I'll lastly, I'll end, I'll end with this. When I told a friend of mine that, um, that I was going to be observing a minor fast day, he said that the minor was a, was a, a double entendre. And he wrote these words. Reading your words, it occurs to me that one could say that we keep this fast so that we might find the kavanah, the intention to act politically, socially, and communally to interrupt the seemingly inexorable logic of decline and disaster that links the tenth day of Tevet and the ninth of Av. The rabbinical command that we fast to commemorate the beginning of the siege and not only to commemorate the final destruction, in effect asks us to find in ourselves the prophetic agency to act in the here and now so as to break the inexorable logic that runs from bad to worse. That we might break the siege before it totally overwhelms us, before we have yet one more disaster to mourn, yet one more disaster to add to the litany of complete and utter catastrophes which we mourn on the ninth of Av. 
So on this Shabbat, let's be strong. On this Shabbat, let's be honest. On this Shabbat, let's remember. Let's allow the full impact of it to, to be in us, in our bodies, in our hearts, in our mind, to not be afraid. It's okay. We can make it through Egypt. We can. Jacob is making a promise. Vayima'en Yaakov, I refuse to give up hope, is the, the first refusal that strengthens all of us to continue to hold on to that. Let's do it.